Our reading today is Daniel chapter 6, the entire chapter, 1 to 28. Um, That can be found in the Pew Bibles on uh, page 890 and in the large print Bible 1431. Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king (coughs) planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, well, we'll never find anything, any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So... King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. 
At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I have, was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever his kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. David, thank you for such a nice, clear reading. Norman, great to see you back as, as well, too. Lucy, very welcome. Hey, thanks for all the gossip on Janie. That's going to be so useful. Great stuff. Let's just pray together, shall we, as we come to God's Word. Heavenly author of salvation, would you continue to direct what we should be through the power of your living word? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Great to see you. Everybody's looking so lovely and summery this morning. It's really fantastic. Great to see you all. And it's very much my prayer this morning that as we delve into the sixth chapter of Daniel, you'll, you'll be encouraged as I was about the, the power of consistency in our Christian witness to change lives, a power that lies in the way that we conduct ourselves with steadfast consistency in our daily walk of witness. Because it's that consistency of witness underpinned by a consistency of prayer life that is so effective in nurturing and growing the faith of others. Well, at the start of this chapter, we have King Darius, the all-powerful king of Persia. He is an avid non-believer. Let's have a look at him, shall we? There he is, formidable-looking chap. Um, have a look at his, let's have a look at his empire. It was pretty big. In fact, it was huge. Well, it, was, it, was, it was the biggest empire of its time. It was really, really big. But it's amazing. At the start of this chapter, he is an avid non-believer. By the time we get to the end of the chapter, he becomes an enthusiastic convert. And we can see this growth in faith in five stages. And that's what I want to share briefly with you this morning, except we've got a bit of a problem. Verse 28, let's have a look at that. Verse 28 says, 
So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Oops, I thought, I thought Darius was the king of Persia, not Cyrus. Even worse, even worse, although Darius is a major historical figure in the book of Daniel, only Cyrus appears in any of the ancient records of the Persian Empire. Now, I don't know about you, but in my family we each have a nickname that bears no resemblance to our Christian names. Anybody else got nicknames in their families? One or two have, yes. Well, David, we'll talk afterwards, shall we? Yes, we won't share them now. Well, it's my guess, it's my guess that this Cyrus and Darius may well be one and the same. And while we're at it, can you think of any other Bible characters that had two names, had more than one name? Any thoughts, any ideas about other characters? Paul and Saul, there's one. Anybody else? Any other contributions? Think of this chapter in Daniel. You should be able to think of three straight away. Yes? Yeah. Oh, they're coming thick and fast now. Anyone else? Yes? Oh, oh, yes. Very good. Very good. I, I did a bit of a check. I think there are probably about 20. There are about 20, apart from this guy, there are about 20 other examples of people who had two names, which is quite interesting. So we're, we're pretty certain that this guy, this Darius, is also Cyrus, the, the Persian emperor. But for all his skill as a great warrior and brilliant administrator, he's got one serious character flaw. He's got one serious flaw. He was susceptible to flattery. And some of his courtiers were so jealous of Daniel, his Jewish prime minister, they hatched a plot to get Daniel bumped off. So they towed it up to Darius, suggested a real tribute should be paid to the king for his prowess. And of course, this flattered his ego. And he falls for it hook, line, and sinker. And that's the trouble with having a big ego. It falls for flattery every time. And it's a trap which can have a disastrous result, especially if you're a world leader and your name begins with D. Yeah. <laughs> Darius may have been vain, but he was shrewd as well. He's inherited Daniel as his senior politician, and so he keeps him in post. He recognizes Daniel's outstanding qualities and his flawless character, which we know, we know, was centered on the law of God. Ah, but that's what Daniel's enemies have spotted too. Have a look at verse 5. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. You see, it was plain to see what made Daniel tick. It was the consistency of his life as he lived out the law of the Lord his God. And it was the consistency of his three times a day prayer discipline. Even Darius was aware of that. And that was for the king his first step in a growing awareness of God. That was his first step the witness of a God, of God at work in somebody else's life. And it's the same for us. And I heard it firsthand at the beginning of this week when Janie and I were preparing the baptism candidates. And they talked, some of them talked about the influence that members of this church have had 
on their journey of faith. Vera Collier. Vera will be another example of a consistency of witness, tremendous consistency of witness in what she did. Because when we live consistent, competent, godly lives, discharge our work duties diligently and graciously towards each other, then we too witness powerfully to non-Christians, just as Daniel did in his job. For Darius, the witness of a godly life in this prime minister was the first step of his awakening. And the second step for Darius was when he realized, when he realized that he'd fallen for the courtier's false flattery. And the whole thing was just a jealous plot to get rid of Daniel. Have a look at verse 14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. You see, he saw, he, it dawned on him suddenly that Daniel had been framed, and he tried to do all in his power to change the system. But his gleeful courtiers would have none of it. Verse 15, have a look at verse 15. Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Ugh, there. Darius is trapped. He's hoist by his own petard. He wriggles, but he can't get off the hook. He's still got a long way to go in his journey of faith. He still believes that upholding a bad law of the Medes and Persians is more important than rescuing the good life of the prime minister. You see, his thinking is too legalistic, and that's dangerous, and it can be a lesson for us sometimes. Galatians 5.1 assures us that in Christ we've been freed from the yoke of legalism and slavery. But the, the same verse also goes on to warn us not to let our newfound freedom become an occasion for a sort of bondage. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, reminds them that everything is permissible, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial or constructive. And as evangelicals, we can sometimes feel we've got a bit of a monopoly on biblical truth. And that's not always that constructive. Well, back to Darius, who is still growing in enlightenment. Remember, his first step was the witness of God that he saw in the life of Daniel. His second step was recognizing that the world's false flatterers are counterfeit. And now we see him taking his third step. Let's have a look at verse 16. He starts praying. May your God, whom you serve, whom you serve continually, rescue you. When I read that, may your God, it reminded me of Dave Allen. Anybody remember Dave Allen, the comedian? He used to end his show, didn't he? Do you remember what he used to say? May, may, your, may your God go with you. That's right. He was a self-declared non-believer, but like many who have yet to find faith in Christ, they will turn to prayer, especially when the going gets tough. Now, admittedly, Darius' prayer is a bit half-baked, but at least God is no longer some inanimate word tack, tacked onto the end of OMG. For Darius, God is now somebody to be addressed. 
So first step, the witness of God in others. Second step, recognizing that what the world offers is counterfeit. Third step, praying to God in a time of real distress. And now step four in his growth to faith. Let's look at verse 18. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Although he couldn't sleep, interestingly enough, he didn't opt for the diversions of court life, and there must have been plenty of them for him. Instead, he spends the night in prayer and fasting, worrying, chewing his fingernails to the bone as he wondered what on earth is going to happen to Daniel. And what does he do first thing in the morning? He rushes round to the lion's den and he's thrilled to find a remarkable answer to prayer. We've heard some great answers to prayer this morning. Some really good answers to prayer, and it's great to hear that. Last Sunday, I wasn't here. I was preaching in St. John's in Windlesham. And on an earlier visit, a much earlier visit, there are two services, much like we have, and I preached at both. Quite separately, somebody had come up at the end of each service, very distressed, seeking prayer ministry for situations that looked dark and desperate to them at the time. Last Sunday, on my visit, they both came forward again, but this time the tears of distress and hopefulness were replaced by tears of joy, tears of gratitude to God as they shared quite remarkable answers to those early prayers. And it must have been the same for Darius that morning. There was dear Daniel, larger than life, singing his early morning songs of praise and worship from inside the lion's den. Hallelujah! Daniel was so overwhelmed to see this answer to prayer, so much so that it moved him onto his next step of his growth in faith. For Darius, God has now become a living entity who saves. Wow. Daniel 6.20 says, Daniel, he says, Daniel, servant of the living God. Well, Darius can't quite claim God as his yet. But he's certainly growing in trust and faith. He now sees a living God. And then finally, step five. Finally, he comes right out and he declares his allegiance. Have a look at verses 26 and 27. I issued a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. Isn't that exciting? In these verses, he's decreed that everybody, everybody throughout that vast Persian empire has to respect the God of Daniel. Well, obviously, they weren't all going to offer God heartfelt worship, but at least they had to pay him reverence, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. It's a, it's a remarkable testimony from a heathen prince. It's truly remarkable. And we can see in those five steps, remember what they are, the witness of God in others, first step. Secondly, recognizing that what the world offers is counterfeit. 
Thirdly, praying to pray to God in times of real distress. Fourthly, an answered prayer. And then fifthly, this last step, acknowledging God for who he is and taking on board his saving power. And we can see in those five steps a real journey of growth in faith. It's a journey that is light years away from the proud, self-centered despot we get at the beginning of chapter 6. And there's even more significance, because in the book of the prophet Ezra, we read that Cyrus, or Darius, during the first year of his reign, brought to fulfillment the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah about the return from exile of the Jewish nation. The return from exile was very much a preparation for the coming of Jesus. In fact, the whole Christian dispensation almost hangs, in a way, on Darius's turning to God. And all that, all that turning to God, all that mighty impact that it's had on Christianity can be attributed, in turn, to the consistent faithfulness of a godly politician in his administration. A faithful, consistent witness who was prepared to go to his death, if needs be, rather than compromise his faith. For Darius, his growth in faith was no Damascus Road experience. Instead, the light of illumination took some time. It was a process of growing. As one of the baptismal candidates shared with us on Monday, the penny didn't drop straight away, even though they were a regular churchgoer. It didn't drop straight away. And could I just urge you, if you are going to be around next Sunday, do come to the 10.30 services, or the 6 o'clock service, especially the 6 o'clock, when, where's Gus? Gus, you're getting reaffirmed, aren't you? Yeah, well, I'm hoping people are going to come and support you. I'm sure they will. It's, a, it's fantastic to hear their testimonies. Just to conclude, I found this passage got me thinking again about the non-Christians around me in my workplace and those I meet socially. It made me aware that some of them may be on the same sort of journey as Darius. So my witness needs to win their respect by displaying consistent, godly competence, respect for the way that I conduct myself in discharging my work commitments. Daniel was reliable, he had an excellent spirit, he did his job well, and he depended on God. His consistency of character sprang from a consistent and passionate prayer life. At the Heads of Commonwealth Conference this week, Theresa May praised the Queen for the consistency of her long service and loyalty. Consistency of Christian conduct rooted in a consistent prayer life, can be just as powerful as a witness for growing faith in others as it was for Darius. May it be so for the sake of our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.